1: Thank you, thank you, and thank you. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Thank you, Amber. Welcome, everyone, fellow basement dwellers, into this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. I am your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, continuing his plea with Craig DeMarco to do the & Oats retrospective on the Greg DeMarco show with Craig DeMarco, Patrick O'Dowd, and Miranda Morales. Tony's rolling his eyes. No love for yacht rock and and Hall and Oates. Uh, yeah,
3: I'm, uh, no, it's all good. I love the open. And everything. I want lo- lo- my dreams you know, to come true. I, I sometimes I tell people, be careful. You're gonna have to mess with Hall and Oates, you know. But uh, now I don't need a whole fucking show about them.
1: Then you just don't know entertainment, sir. That's, that's fine. That's, that's why it, I'm not asking you to do the Hall and Oates it. retrospective. I have found out. You are you are you no, have, you have not you're off the list. You're off the list. I th- <laughs> thank you. So yes, everyone, welcome. This is bandwagon nerds. I'm your good friend Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you back in. It's been a minute, uh, it's been a couple of weeks, fellas. Uh I am this week, of course, you heard, joined by the live studio audience, Mr. Saturday Night himself, PC Tunny who apparently dislikes Hall & Oates to the I point of... Uh, no. I
2: don't. No. You've not. heard
1: it here first. Tony hates Hall and & Oates, and yep. that's okay. Because you know who doesn't hate Hall & Oates? <laughs> the lawyer himself, Mr. David Ungar Esquire, the 74th. Hello, yeah. sir. David Welcome Ungar. back. So I went from it the 35th... It like a butterfly and was stung, stung by like a, a wall-
2: Yeah, exactly, man. So I went for the 35th Esquire on hockey talk to 74th wow i don't know if that's a promotion or, I, or what but it's something that's for hey sure Man, yeah hollow notes they're on my playlist i'll, I'll, I'll put it that way oh yeah hey,
1: they should be on everyone's playlist and who knows maybe they'll make an appearance on on an upcoming episode of um, musical chairs when when the summer hits Ooh, I, I put you through be, that that could be fun I know, right? I tried really hard to hit that 30-second threshold so that I didn't get nailed by copyright infringement. We do not own the rights to that music, but that's okay, because Hall & is for everyone. Everyone embraces it. It's, they're almost Lionel Richie. Not quite. It's just uh, Lionel special. It's true. All right, so this is an interesting start to uh, this week's edition of Panwagoners. We are without Aesop Mitchell, though he is on the call and could join us later. But I have my doubts. We have kind of a... We have a little bit of a hodgepodge episode this week. We're going to spend a lot of time actually talking about Star Wars and Marvel as usual. But we're going to kind of hone in on something that I picked up on based on some articles that were shared by you guys. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about continuity issues uh, and whether they're really issues or whether they're imagined uh, the concept of whether or not you need to do homework to watch some of these shows, just a, a couple of different topics that I think intertwine a little bit in what we do and what we talk about. And with it being a relatively slow news day, other than, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Maverick going to win the box office again this week. I, I finally got to see Top Gun Maverick uh, on Saturday. Toddie, have you seen it yet? Are you the, are you the I outlier us now? A Dirty look. He is. He's the outlier. he he's, He's is anti. It streaming anywhere yet? Is it streaming anywhere? Coming soon to yeah. Par- uh, Paramount
2: Plus. At the In movie theater, I'm Tony. Sure. It's streaming oh. on the big screen. You bastard!
1: I. Here's the thing, you Tony. Want to pay, I, I pay know. PayPal me
3: thirteen forty nine, and I'll go see it this week. Give me your address. Well,
1: what's funny is I didn't. I didn't pay I don't want to see it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't actually have to. I didn't actually pay admission to see the movie. That, that was the thing. Is I actually had a rain check uh ticket for when the projection went sideways at uh my local cinemark because they had uh they had, they have these things called fathom events and i don't know if you guys have similar stuff but like fathom events does like these like weekend specials where you can only watch something in the theater on these two days and they brought back the transformers animated movie on its tw- whatever anniversary and I went and saw it. And in the middle of the movie, the projection, the projector just stopped showing the movie. So once they got everything back up and running, we watched the rest of it. Everybody got a free ticket to a show. They took my voucher uh, for that show, which I learned that the Cinemark Voucher Movie Pass, when something goes wrong at the theater, is good for any movie, even a premiere night, month- night film. So I showed up, walked up on the theater got the dead center seat in a full theater because like everybody was paired up and like looking for folks. So I like got the money seat and Tony, I know you don't want to see this in the theater. It's a movie you have to see in the theater though, man, like in terms of experience, go to DP's house, watch it on his fancy television and his goofy sound system, because like the opening scene with the jet takes off, from the aircraft carrier and my theater seat shook like i was in i was in i enjoyed it thoroughly it's ridiculous it does get stupid aesop talked about it a little bit the third act for those of you like it, it's it gets ludicrous but it's top con and it was worth the ludic- the lunacy the ludicrousness to catch it so i i enjoyed it thoroughly but I guess enough about Top Gun. I'm sorry. I could talk about it all day. Greg DeMarco loved it. Dave loved it. Tony doesn't care. Aesop liked it until the third act where he had some issues. But we're going to jump in because we're back on the we're back on the reviewing of shows train. And yep, we're not going to talk Obi-Wan Kenobi. At least we we're not going to talk Obi-Wan Kenobi right now. We are going to talk about it later when we get to the later topic discussion. Uh, because it 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 fits and kind of stems from the greater topic that we were getting into. But the boys dropped its first three episodes on Amazon Prime this week. For the sake of our own sanity and watching, we are only going to cover episodes one and two today. Next week, we will cover episodes three and the debuting four. And then the whole show will be on track with the rest of the series. And I think that is good. Best for business. Best for us. We won't be completely current today but we will be pretty current and we will be completely current by the time you listen to next week's show. Oh, I thought you were about to say something. Tony, you did some gesturing and I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Thank you for gesturing again and continuing to confuse the crap out of me. Uh, here, this is for you. Stop confusing me. Stop. I'm very fragile. I, I can't, I can't keep up. No, I'm not drinking today. Oh, he went away. Why, why'd he go away? What's that all about? Ah! He's back. Okay, so episodes one and two of the boys. Episode one, very much kind of a a reset of the series where we are now. Because if you all recall, when we last saw the gang, they were beating the holy hell out of Stormfront, or at least the ladies were. Homelander was going off the deep end in his relationship with Stormfront Result in the loss of his son though. Billy was doing everything he could to prevent Homelander along with, uh, along with, uh, his, his ex to try and keep his son from Homelander. Um, we, we get the rise of a political power at the end of season, uh, season two that, uh, that Huey then turned around and joins. Hello puppies. The dogs are here. They're excited to talk about it as well. Um, and so there was a lot of, like, groundwork as we kind of got everything reset. And, Tony, I don't know about you. I had to pause the show on more than one occasion. Uh, and the thing I love about when I stream Amazon Prime through my television is when you pause Amazon Prime, it brings up the names of the actors and who they're playing so that I can remember who the hell Huey was or Mother's Milk or, uh, you know, hell, even... I don't know. Queen Mav. I'm just making up stuff, um, uh, at this point, but I needed the refresher cause it's been what, like a year plus, I think since the boys was on there and, uh, episode one, I thought did a pretty good job of like getting us back as we start to watch an unraveling Homelander. We watched, uh, Billy Butcher trying to play it straight in what, I mean, we opened with, uh, you know, once again, another trauma inducing moment of violence as a dude explodes out of another dude's penis. Um, that was a little messed up because we just we can't the, we go whole hog. Get to the prostate. Get to the prostate. <laughs> get to the prostate. Get the And here's the thing. Of course, the boys, when they would have their shrinking human doing perverted sex acts, would not go in through the anus. Of course, they're going to go in through the dick hole because that's what the boys does. And yep, Pete's just right there on a the table digging in. So. But you've got Billy, you've got Butcher kind of in conflict, trying to play things on the straight and narrow. And honestly, because he doesn't want to cross Huey, who has joined the federal, like, soups Regulation Commission and and is trying to, to go at it a different way. He and Starlight aren't living together, but they are fairly solid in their relationship, or so you think, uh, until you learn that Starlight's ex... Has now entered the entered the picture, and and Huey, of course, is going to be, you know, Huey, and be jealous over the whole thing. So, that's sort of episode one in a nutshell. Uh, I'll turn it over to uh, Tony since uh, Dave is chewing on things. Episode one, and where we kind of find the gang as we come back.
3: It's funny you brought up the fact that Amazon Prime, when you pause it, or if you're on your laptop, if you just bring your mouse up, it can runs and it shows you that, too, that you had time to do that. Because even though I was at breakfast this morning, just after 6 a.m. and doing my homework, <clears throat> I failed to actually read the entirety of the first topic. Oh, I no. Also, I failed to realize that they were dropping three episodes at once.
1: Oh, the no. The problem oh, here no. is...
3: The new chapter of Fortnite also started this morning. So luckily, luckily, with two hours to go until this show started, <laughs> I went, let's watch the episode now to give myself more time. And lo and behold, went, holy shit, there's three episodes. I don't have time to watch three episodes. Looked at the rundown scene, reviewing episodes one and two and went, whew, thank God. I don't have not have time <laughs> for those two so i did watch them i am just fresh off of watching them um yeah we're getting deeper into what's happening now we're getting into more of the actual story right because to honestly it was really good the first episode and the second episode um but i like the lighter part of the boys like back in you know early season two and and most of season one but you have to tell the story. There has to be character development. I, I really, lo- We're going to get to episode two. I really love the way it ended. But yeah, it was a nice refresher. It is really interesting to see where everybody's at. We do get questions answered eventually here. We're going to talk about from last year's uh, uh, end of the season. So yeah, I'm glad they're back. It's amazing. It, what a great time for streaming. Everything we're watching right now.
1: Dave, your thoughts on episode one? Kind of a reset of the series as we we kind of see where everyone is.
2: Yeah, very much a reset of the series, as as you've noted, as to putting everybody in their respective places. You know, okay, here here's where here's where all the pieces are at this point in time, and and you know, going in that direction. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a a very interesting foundational sort of episode, like you're saying. You know, you got. Butcher over here taking care of Ryan, trying to be the dad while still mourning for his, um, you know, his wife, who's gone. Starlight trending really popularly to the point that she's going to be the co-captain, much to the chagrin of Homelander. Um, You know, Mother's Milk trying to kind of step away from it, but not really. And and as Episode 2 will note, having that trigger with a certain character that we're about to get into. Um, and, and yeah, Homelander, just a lost soul in, in every way. <laughs> and, and, and like Tony's saying morning, whatever's happened to Stormfront, and that'll of course progress as well. But yeah, I, I like, I, I think like, uh, the F- Frenchie and Kim- Kimiko's relationship is, is really something that I like seeing develop. You know, that's very sweet. I like where they are right now. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and of course it wouldn't be the boys without some Crazy sex, sort of thing going on. So, there you go.
1: Right. And we didn't, and the other thing we forgot to talk about, or at like, least so I didn't bring up in, in sort of the episode one overview, is Victoria Newman. Uh, and we learned that Victoria Newman wasn't always named Victoria Newman. That uh, there's this person who keeps looking for, what does he call her, Nadia? I want to say is what he what he keeps asking, he keeps asking for her, chasing after her. And of course, this is where Huey then discovers that she's the one who was making everyone's heads explode as she gave her rise to prominence politically. And you learn of a mysterious place called Red River. Uh, there's there's two conspiracies that go on, and they and they really dive into it even further in episode two, because you get Red River, and then you've got this. Captain America ripoff character who, okay, everyone, drink, because I don't remember the name and for Soldier Boy. Got it. Ha! No drinks for you. I remembered it. Um, this this guy, Soldier Boy, and there being something around his death slash not death in the way he died that could have a big impact impact on Vaught. We forgot to mention Stan Edgar thinks he's got control over over Homelander right now. He's the one who is now making all the calls. He wants to get out of there. We learn about his connection to Victoria Newman and that, of course, everything comes back to Vought and Vought is controlling all of the puppet strings. And it's just, it, at the end of this second episode, and this is where I got to, Butcher was try is trying really hard to do right because of Huey and what Huey wanted to do, and to try and do this kind of quote-unquote the right, day, right way to bring down Vought. And when Huey learns the truth, not only that Victoria is a soup, but that she was adopted by Stan Edgar, the greatest villain, by the way, character actor out there right now, Giancarlo Esposito. That's it. That breaks Huey and the way he wants to do stuff, and he calls up Bill and he says, we're going to do this, I, and I think that we can't do it We can't do it on the straight and narrow. He gives butcher permission to start going after soups the way he wants to. And And that puts us into heading into episode three.
2: Yeah. And then, of course, the part we haven't mentioned is the temporary compound V. Formula that they come up right. with the twenty four hour super boost, which Butcher is given this by I forget who gives it to him, but Queen Maeve, yeah, Queen Maeve, Queen Maeve. Maeve and Maeve and Butcher Maeve is like a mole on the inside. Yeah, Maeve and Butcher working together, and she gives him the and I forget what they call it. They don't call it Compound V because that's that name's associated V20. with Nazism.
3: V twenty four, yeah, V
2: twenty four, and Butcher really <clears throat> wrestles with the notion of whether to take this or not because he's so anti soup. That the, no- that the notion of him taking on superpowers is so repulsive to him that he just won't do it. And then when, like you're saying, Pat, when Huey says, Victoria's the soup, she's in with Vought, this is all bullshit, we can't do this the right way, we've got to go at them a different way, that convinces him to, um, to take the V-24. And yeah, his uh, execution of gunpowder is, uh, uh, there's one to remember. Yeah, he literally beat his face in. And then lasered his head and the car in half. Right. Wow. Jeez. Right. It was, it was something else.
1: Okay. We got to. We got to talk about Homelander. We got, we got to talk about it because Homelander is completely unhinged at this point. Uh, And, and you talk about somebody who is in a complete free fall because he can't control anything. He is completely out of power, whether it's that his ratings and popularity are down that his girlfriend who survives only to then bite her own tongue off and choke on it later, you know, in the second episode, she, she went and million dollar babied herself was the Yes, She million dollar babied herself when Homelander said he is not going to create a, an Aryan race of superior superhero children, uh, which, you know, I guess good, uh, the way that he's just straight up, trying to find anything and everything he can to keep power, whether it's bullying a train and calling him fat and going after the dude's high metabolism. And, I, and I'm intrigued to see where, how that's going to impact a train. Cause we, we see that's another guy who's really kind of lost and doesn't know what, where to go. He's trying to find some sense of direction and you've got Homelander at every turn running him down. Uh, you've got, him trying to take charge of his birthday celebration. You have him pushing a girl to suicide before. Did. Okay. Did he push her
2: off or did she jump? She jumped. He He was going to lay. I don't think (laughs) he was going to laser her. I think she made the choice to jump. I think he just went. Maybe.
1: So There you go. And, And there's ambiguity there. And of course this is all happening right as we learn that um stormfront is dead and that's his reaction to that and then episode two ends with as fine a moment for and and i'm losing the guy's name now you can take a drink uh because i I closed imdb and i can't remember the actor's name who plays homelander but the speech he gives when he just goes into this i'm better than you bow like you should be bowing before me Uh, argument. I to me it's the highlight of of what's been an unhinged character. They've made the bad guy I I would argue of of all the series we've watched, he's been he's he's the the best villain of the bunch. That's that's my opinion.
2: With the exception of Darth Vader, I'd probably agree with you, but you know that's about it.
1: Uh she
2: yeah the, the, the of the
1: series that we've covered
2: well we're we're covering it internally so no i get i get what you're saying but
3: david Dave and i are covering obi-wan whether you like
1: it or not <laughs> no, um, uh, well and and i'm sure you will as i'm absent and there's nothing i can do about it
2: but uh, like you're saying that speech at the end where it's just like where he finally just decides to say i don't give a shit anymore and and i think what's going to be fascinating in episode three is how is the audience going to react to that because as we know we're all wrestling fans. Sometimes this whole anti-hero, I don't give a shit. It's all about me approach generates the most positive. Look at MJF's promo on on Dynamite this week and what that did. And is basically just coming out saying everybody sucks, including <laughs> the management. And now everybody starts cheering him. So Pat doesn't care. But anyway, I, I, I don't. I'm curious to see what the audience, you know, what the what the public perception, what the reaction is to this. It's all about me. Bow down before me, I'm the greatest I'm homelander uh, you know, is it gonna help him trend up, or is he just you know gonna crash and burn even further so um yeah it's well, it's this, fascinating
3: this this is gonna add another dimension into I think the story is you're gonna bring in the public now, the public's gonna be a part of it. you're gonna have the public having this sliver of people that are gonna be backing homelander, right look at um look at uh uh mother's milk's ex-wife's boyfriend or how whatever he is to her now. He's like he's super intrigued watching this birthday celebration, right. like smiling, lapping it up that what Homelander's telling everybody, right? There's gotta be a segment of the population that goes, you know, fuck all you people. The guy could be that, that don't know better, right? You know, so I it it I think it's another great dynamic of, of the situation.
2: Did you guys I- get a little uneasy that whole section with gunpowder talking about guns and all this stuff, given what's been going on in the nation. I was just like, damn, that's here. here, Here's
1: we've talked about this when we've covered the boys previously, right? The, this show has an uncanny ability to be a reflection of what's going on in the country at the time. And, And I, I would even take it a step further, Dave, from the second butcher walks through the, uh, the metal detector and the guy's like, Oh, and he holds out the gun and the guy's like, Oh, nice piece. And hands it back to him. And then you walk through and this is, this is the thing I, I thought was really astute. And I'm sure everybody is going to complain about being all woke and shit, which fuck you woke. Isn't a thing. You're just making it up. And it's a buzzword that pisses people off. But the, the enculturation of, uh, of guns and firearms in this country is, is a very real thing. And I thought that, it's a it's an oversimplified view uh, of the narrative, but when he's walking through this gun show, this conference, this convention, and it's children playing yeah not that gun show, a couple of water pistols that's what that is anyway. Uh, when you're seeing children coloring bullet like coloring book pages. You know, when Butcher walks into the gunpowder speech, his, uh, his gun his gun rights TED Talk, and he's hitting on points that if you go to Facebook right now, you can read in the sense of, like, gun legislation and the idea that any gun legislation means taking weapons away entirely. That, like, that's a very real narrative. That's a narrative that exists That is a narrative that is peddled, and it's not untrue. Uh, but then when he looks in the audience and there's a mom holding an infant, While watching like while here for this presentation, that that's a reflection of our country and our culture. And the other great reflection of our country that I and of people that I thought um this episode episode two really displayed really well, and both of you have already hit it, is trauma and and mental and mental health and the way that trauma impacts two very specific characters in this show. Um Kamiko um with her her in her, her lack of a childhood because of her past and the events that happened in the theme park that that then lead to her having a very heavy conversation with Frenchie about, you know, it's not about the roller coasters, it's that she never got to be a child. And and you know, and as we as we sit there and we think about the events that happened in Texas and, and any of the other sort of things that have happened to you young people how childhoods get ruined by traumatic events like that's a real thing, regardless of where you stand on a political spe- spectrum, that trauma is real. And then Mother's Milk and the fact that his past trauma makes him obsessive compulsive uh, and that he starts to display signs of a, of, of obsessive compulsive disorder, whether it's arranging the, the plastic silverware at his daughter's birthday party, straightening the paperwork that he's looking at when he's looking at soldier boys history to when he's ringing the doorbell to drop his daughter off and he has to tap it before he hits it. Uh, I just think that, that the boys does it in a very unique way that is both a hammer over the head, but subtle at the same time. And I, I really, why I appreciate the show is because the over the top violence stuff yeah that's going to get your attention there's a message there and it's and it's a it's a blunt instrument message but it's there yeah. and they're going to make sure you hear it.
2: and they do a really good job of of, of bringing stuff to the forefront and, and trying, I mean, I don't know about educating you, but trying to just put it out there like the like the amusement park, Inclusion Land and all this sort of stuff where, where it's like, okay, it's great up to a point. But even they're kind of like saying, okay, this might be going a little bit too far in the, uh, in the pendulum swinging too far and that sort of thing. And, and you kind of look at it and say, okay, I get what they're saying. But yeah, it's uh like Mother's Milk and you talk about his OCD and clearly something happened with Soldier Boy that impacted him massively with his family. And the, he's... He's all about. to Eventually, to the point you find out that he didn't die in some nuclear accident. It's it's a it's kind of a cover up as to what really happened to him. But yeah, it's it's a it's a tremendous show. It, it starts. I think it's going to really ramp up from here. So we'll we'll see what happens. You know, uh, yeah, it's uh, Huey and and what Nadia Veronica whatever her. You know, they had such a great relationship. The whole thing about risking herpes to have this bagel sandwich and. That sort of thing was was really, it, it, and they had a very sweet, cute relationship, and and you know that that's gone away now, which is kind of sad, but kind of has to. She's, right. a, she's a head popper. Yeah. It took it, a minute to
3: get back to the gratuitous gore.
1: It did, it, it did, but uh, we've still got seven episodes to go, fellas. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of gratuitous violence and gore around the corner well, you know, probably in the next couple episodes, maybe we'll talk about the deep. We didn't even touch on what's going on uh, with the deep in, in his life. And, you know, this new this like American Idol-esque contest for the next member of the seven and uh Starlight's, you know, ex-boyfriend, ex-teenage boyfriend uh being there. And, and what's his deal going to be? It's there's a lot there. There's a lot going on. It's it's going to be interesting. And we're in it for the long haul which is why we don't cover Obi-Wan as well. Well, until we do. So with that, we'll take our first commercial break. I will sit here and see that the idea that two shows will be covered in my absence the next time I'm absent. And when we come back, we'll take a little visit to the trailer park and cover uh, some news around the Nerdosphere. So you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com.
2: This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShop.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything progressing. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShop.com.
1: Okay, we're back. That's right, we're back, everyone. Small trip to the trailer park this week, Dave, but we are still going to the trailer park. And... If we're going to go to the trailer park, that means one thing. That means we have to cue up that beautiful banjo. Play it for us now, sir. Thank you very much. All right. Only three items to, for the trailer park today. I got to share when I was putting the, was putting the agenda together yesterday. Uh, yesterday being Saturday when, when I put there, because we record this on Sunday plays on my, so on and so forth. Anyway, uh, there's a leap year in there and then you skip consecutive Tuesdays and the double legged sack race is every other Friday before we actually get to the event itself. As it were, um, as everybody wraps their heads around all this. When I was putting this agenda together and I was looking at trailers, I was like, man, there's not a lot. Like, I thought about putting that trailer about the the Ray Parker Jr. uh documentary on there, the guy who wrote the Ghostbuster scene. I was like, nah, that doesn't really strike me as really interesting. I knew there was one we had to put on there. Even the, the second one that I put on there, I was like, I'm gonna put this on there because it's Disney, but like I don't I kind of care. I don't know that I really care. And then Sunday comes along. People are looking at trailers and suddenly we get suggestions and Tony made a good one, um, for a, uh, yeah, for, for an Ethan Hawke vehicle that's coming out June 24th. I actually had to look up the date. Uh, it's a horror movie though. I'm not sure what kind of horror movie it's going to be like a suspenseful thriller horror movie is kind of the way I get it. It's not going to be a slash and slash and burn kind of a scary flick, but it's called the black phone. And the story appears to be a relatively simple one. Ethan Hawke plays a horrifyingly creepy kidnapper of children who eventually murders them, but he kidnaps his boy, throws him in a basement, locks him in there. There is a black phone that is disconnected to any sort of phone line, but the boy starts hearing it ring. And when he answers the phone, he starts to hear from the ghosts of the children that Ethan Hawke's character previously murdered. And it looks like it's going to be like this tense, supernatural sort of thriller of, can the ghosts help this boy escape? They also seem to be connected to the boy's sister who is outside looking for for him as she's having dreams and visions herself. Meanwhile, Ethan Hawke is trying to do everything he can to keep the boy in the basement and murder him with an array of just horrifying masks just creepy ass looking masks that i think give it a, a an amazing little aesthetic aesthetic this movie actually i remember initial trailers being dropped back in 2021 and i think it even came up in our chat conversation aesop had asked did this already come out like is this the last trailer and it looks like it is it looks like the marketing is really picked up for this movie as it comes out on june
2: 24th yeah i think we reviewed the uh, took a look at the original trailer on this thing long time ago and it looked i I don't think there was a lot different in this trailer but yeah it's definitely one that you know and coming off ethan hawk's great performance in moon Knight, now you get to see him come jump right into this creepy child abduction with this real supernatural element as as these kids are trying to explain to the one kid who's being held how to escape you know ghosts of of uh murdered past sort of thing so yeah it, it looks as far as stuff that I I'd, I'd say you know on the horror spectrum that I'd say okay yeah this is one I definitely want to see, I would definitely put this in this category. This this one looks very interesting and good acting. I mean Ethan Hawke is really kind of evolved into one of my favorites lately.
1: Toddie, you shared this one and you're not particularly like a horror guy. And so to me that tells me something about even your thoughts on the trailer. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I think the, the whole mask thing it, the aesthetic of that kind of uh brings you in a little bit right and to know that it's e-talk yep. it, it brings you in even more but i would say while you can put this in the horror genre it's more of going to be a psychological thriller with you know heavy science fiction as far as you know ghosts and things of that nature so i i'm I'm looking forward to it it's like a scary just mind fuck that's what it's going to be Can you figure yep. it out
1: you know what movie vibe I get from this trailer is uh, the old Kevin Bacon flick, Stir of Echoes. And I don't know if you've ever seen Stir of Echoes, but it came out around the same time that The Sixth Sense did. And it was a spirit trying to communicate with with Kevin Bacon and unraveling a mystery as to, to how this person died. It's it's quite good. It's, it's really good. But not so much in like it's the exact same story because it's not. But the aesthetic and the feel of that trailer and this and this trailer, or in that movie, is very similar to me. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't know if I'll be able to see it at the theater. It is definitely one of those that I want to make sure I catch on a list, whether it's a streaming list. I still get discs from Netflix. So, hell, maybe it's even getting a disc from Netflix. We'll see. But I'm in. I'm in, and I'm looking forward to it. All right. Next on the list is what I would say is the next effort in what – I would argue is one of the more polarizing efforts that Disney has made. And that is it's live action, quote unquote, live action reboot slash remake of one of their animated classics. One of my favorite animated classics, actually, as, as a kid, I used to watch this film all the time. And I, I watch it uh, periodically because I think it's one of the better Disney animated movies ever made in the history of the company. But they're, they're remaking Pinocchio, and they're casting Tom Hanks in the Geppetto role. And we got our first look at, at the footage of this film. Now, some of the things that they've left out of the trailer, I, I am more intrigued by. We do not get to see Monstro the Whale. We do not get anything of Pleasure Island other than the kids getting off the boat. But you, you, you do get a look at Jimmy Cricket. You do get a look at some of the other. You get a look at the animated Figaro and Cleo, the pets. You get a good look at the Blue Fairy at the end. You get to hear When You Wish Upon a Star, arguably the most famous Disney tune of Disney tunes. And I don't know. Like, I don't know what to make of this. I think that the the live-action reboots have been kind of hit or miss for Disney i love this particular original tom hanks is hard to to argue against Uh, and i'll admit i was also one of the few people who liked the the lion king when they redid the lion king like i was one of the few people who was like i'm down with it so that it's going to be on disney plus makes it much easier for me to be like okay i'm going to watch it um dave you're a disney guy so in an unusual move i'm going to start with dave again uh, instead of instead of altering altering the order plus i really want to hear Tony's thoughts on the third trailer first uh anyway so dave should disney stop this what do you think what do you what, what are your things thoughts on on this pinocchio trailer and and these remakes that they keep doing
2: correct me if i'm wrong but we never saw pinocchio in this trailer either did we yeah, briefly briefly okay uh i i'm not a fan of the remakes just because i i think that you know they suffer by comparison uh more often than not i mean you're talking pinocchio was what the second animated classic that disney ever did snow white being the first and it has stood up to the test of time as one of the most beloved animated anythings that that they've done and and i just think that I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't hate Beauty and the Beast. I didn't hate Lion King. I didn't particularly like it. I didn't feel they were necessary. Um, you know, if Disney thinks that, hey, there's money to be had in, in these live action remakes, more power to them. None of them have done anything for me. I, I'd like to see them focus on different projects rather than bringing animation to life. Sometimes you don't need that. Animations in, in this day and age is 2022. We know as well as anybody that animation, really good animation stands on its own. You don't need to go and make it live action all the time. So, yeah, I, I, this is one of these ones where it's like, I, you know, Lion King, I can see some of that Pinocchio is not one of these stories that stands out to be saying, yeah, we needed to bring this to live action. So I guess, you know, we'll see, but I I don't think this one was necessary and I'm not particularly intrigued by it.
1: Tony, what do you think about Disney rebooting these, these old animated classics and, and the thoughts on this trailer?
3: It's, they've done it so many different ways like they've they've put them all out then they've brought them all back and said oh here you can buy them again for a limited time and now they're redoing them in different ways so i'm okay with that i i thought the trailer was nice i mean i want to tell you that i'm going to watch it but i probably won't um no but it's just a great it's a great story though it's a an, it's another way for a new generation to fall in love with the story Right? So right. what what's wrong with that? And who's opposed to Disney making more money? They've they've had a rough time of it lately, so
1: I know they're really struggling out there. Um hopefully hopefully they get hopefully they pull through. Here's what I will say, Dave, I think you hit on why I'm okay with this being this movie being made in a way that I was a little more puzzled when it came to Beauty and the Beast and the Lion King. Pinocchio's seventy some 80 some years old and i think i think some of these older disney classics are kind of forgotten films and so the thing that i love about pinocchio that even the old animated version is is it's less indicative of its time in a way that some other films that got made back then were like there's no there's no having to like shield people from some sort of message because something was racist at the time that it was made or homophobic at the time that it was made or anything like that and you know the story of pinocchio has has all these fantastical elements to it you know it's got a talking fox right with with a with a cat dumb cat sidekick like there's just so much that what i what i hope this does is then drive people to the animated film that is available for them to stream and watch on Disney Plus or like I own it on Blu-ray and, and watch it one of those people who went back and, and checked it out. So uh, I'm in. Uh, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it and uh, we'll have to see how it goes because Disney's not going to stop making these. I think I think this is a real thing and they are. I, I will say this. Some of the remakes are great. Jungle Book, the Jungle Book remake that they did directed by Jon Favreau. Really, really good stuff worth checking
2: out. I'm just looking at the chronology of what Disney released, you know, and, and looking at stuff that say, okay, that might be an interesting live action remake Fantasia. That might be fun. If they could actually pull that See, off. I, the Fantasia is
1: not about, I know. I'm just going to say no. And, and the reason why is because Fantasia was decidedly made to showcase what could be done with animation. And, and so, To me, like a live action Fantasia is like the antithesis of everything that the original vision of Fantasia and then eventually Fantasia 2000. And God, I wish they would, you know, in in three years, make a Fantasia 2025. They won't, but I would like them to, because I think that that that's Disney heading into the realm of art and would love to see. But enough about that one. Let's get to our last trailer. Paramount Plus, and I think this is coming exclusively to Paramount Plus on the streaming service. We knew, I, I think we knew this was coming because I, I do believe there have been news reports about Mike Judge signing off on, on this to continue to make more uh, more content with this duo. But We are getting, and we received our first trailer for Beavis and Butthead, Do the Universe. I watched it. I remember very little from it. Other than there was an alien Beavis and an alien butthead at one point. And I think they traveled through like space and wormholes and time to get to like the year 2022. And because I don't really remember that well, I'll just share that when I was younger, 20 some years ago, I watched Beavis and Butthead kind of on the regular on the MTV I still remember one of my favorite um, parts of that show. I went to the theater and saw Beavis and Budhead Do America, so I can't even like just even take that a step forward. But one of my favorite all-time sketches, uh, if, for those of you who aren't familiar with the with the series, there would be animated episodes, and in between there would be bits where you were they were watching television, watching music videos, and they would comment on current music videos. And one of my favorites of all time is when uh sabotage by the beastie boys pops up and they start talking about it as if they think it's going to be a real television series and beavis starts describing each of the characters and he's like oh yeah this guy's the rookie he's got a short fuse and starts talking about like what he's going to be and as the video is winding down they're like man i really wonder when this show's actually going to hit you know be on tv because like we want to watch it it's it's good stuff it was funny it's satirical uh it's very satirical it's very clever." Uh, and I, I, I'm interested enough that I will probably spend an afternoon watching Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Tony, you strike me as somebody who might have checked out Beavis and Butthead back in the day. And Why? Why? Why is that? Because <laughs> you would be entertained by that sort of humor. It's not about you personally. I just could see this striking a chord. And I think you'd be somebody who would be interested in streaming this when it's available to stream. I wasn't a huge
3: fan. I did appreciate it, and I have seen a lot of them. Um, I think one of my favorite parts of it is C. Ray, Patrick misses you a lot. So I think one of the parts I did like the most, though, what you were talking about was them watching the music videos was great, right? Uh, the concept is excellent. They've made a ton of money off of it. Beavis and Butt-Head to America was pretty good. This is going to be good. I actually got uh, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure vibes uh, or bogus adventure or new adventure vibes from the trailer. Um, I love uh, Beavis in the prison uh, standing up on the yeah he's just rallying the the church man yeah dave what do you think
2: oh i i'm I'm all in i mean beavis and butthead's absence has been you know as south park has persisted as the simpsons have persisted you look at series that are in that sort of ilk and beavis and butthead are kind of like okay you can mention them sort of in the same conversation And, and the fact that there just hasn't been a lot of beavis and butthead content and, and i understand that you know in this day and age where music videos are, are kind of passe to a certain extent uh you know it doesn't really fit in but i, I think this will fill the void you know like tony you're saying he's in prison he's got the great cornholio gimmick going i think we're going to get a lot of beavis and butthead's best greatest hits in this uh in this uh show uh, this movie and uh, i i tend to be like patrick i will definitely etch out some time to uh jump on paramount plus and check this out because it looks fun and it's Beavis and Butthead, so you know, a an hour and a half, two hours of just completely adolescent mindless humor. Sure. Who couldn't use that?
3: Right. I don't know uh, that we've talked up, enough. Shut up, Beavis. They're talking about our movie on their show.
1: Yeah, yeah, Panwagon nerds. Huh, yeah. You do a much better butthead than you do a Beavis.
2: yeah, but you know, uh, fuck
1: <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to make you mad. I I'm mad at you, like just, yeah, honey, God. I, I want you to do head. the
2: rest of the show with your shirt over your head, so you can be like cornholio.
1: No, it's gonna muffle the sound on the podcast. We don't want to fuck that up. This, well, my audio is already bad enough as it is. So, have the the ladies like the, the door in a hurry. All right. I don't think we talk enough about how great Mike Judge is, though, as as a as a content creator. Like, whether it's Beavis and Butthead, Office Space. Which I think is still one of the most one of the most relatable movies if you've ever King worked Hill in right, an right? office. But King of the Hill as well. King that's of the Hill, place. yeah. You don't you don't have King of the Hill without Beavis and Butthead. Because Mr. Right. Anderson from Beavis and Butthead, that's basically who Hank Hill is. Except like it's a younger Mr. Anderson. Um he'd get all mad about those two kids well. whacking off in his trailer. Yeah, um,
3: the success of Beavis and Butthead led to a network, i.e., Fox Mike right. Judge come over and do a show for the network, not for cable.
1: <laughs> right. Um uh, Idiocracy, I think, was was a Mike Judge uh production as well. That, that's me digging into the uh, into the memory banks, sure. but but he's a very very insightful, very clever writer. Uh I love that uh that, that he's still putting out content and then I was never a big King, King of the Hill guy. Um, but I can't, I can't deny a lot of his other stuff. And like I it, office space in particular for me, like that's a movie. If it's on, I'll stop what I'm doing and watch it right up there with clue um, or um, clerks. Just movies that like they're on and I'm like, done. I ain't touching it until we see the end.
3: It's- Hey, speak- is that why Dave has a heart out today? He has a meeting
1: with the Bobs? Yes. No. Uh, he might have a he,
2: he might have a Bob. Speaking speaking Bob? of clerks, there's rumors that the trailer for Clerks 3 is not far off. So I'm We've
1: interested. been hearing that rumor for a while. I can't wait for it. Um I I've I've always had outside of like that weird Yoga Hosers movie, um, I've generally enjoyed Kevin Smith's work. So I'm gonna I'm going to I'm going to live with uh, whatever he pops out there. Okay, Dave, I'm not going to make you do all the fancy special effects or anything like that, but I do want to jump into some news around the Nerdosphere. I got uh, three little nuggets. The first one we're going to talk about is an article that uh, popped up regarding Netflix talking about a new approach for the company in the wake of their lagging subscriber growth as things have started to to really slow down and Disney Plus's bundle is catching up at the time of the article that I shared from the Hollywood reporter, Netflix is only 16 million global subscribers, or um, Disney and its bundle is only 16 million subscribers behind Netflix is 221 million. Based on this, Netflix has been in kind of a scramble lately. Now we've talked about some of their revenue problems we've talked about some concerns about uh content and shows getting canceled we've also talked about netflix and sort of their their release schedule how it seems like a lot of stuff a lot of popular commodities have been getting released one after another in fact stranger things gets released it's the most viewed premiere right in the history of the streaming service it's just it's going crazy the dogs love it they're going nuts Dave's about to go lay the smackdown on the dogs. and it's it's just it's been a really interesting time. Well, news came out today or not today this week that they're also going to be taking a look at their 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 film release schedule. and this idea of going away from quantity and focusing on making bigger movies better movies and releasing, Fewer than it did previously, so I guess let's start. Let's start there. Was the problem that Netflix was just investing money in everything, and so we weren't getting anything worth watching? And, and, and this change in philosophy—do we see it as something that helps? Tony's got a got a quizzical look on his face, so I'll let him go first.
3: I don't know. I think it's just refining the formula for them, right? I mean, I don't. <laughs> They're they're still winning. They're still making a lot of money. They're still putting out a lot of really good content. There's still lots of things. Like if if I'm if I have time and I'm like, okay, I just want to hang out for a little bit and relax and, and I'm gonna turn something on and I don't have anything specific I want to watch on any of the streaming ones, I'll probably pop open Netflix first because it has the most variety of what I want to see, right? Different genres depth wise. So that's where I'm at with that. I don't know. I mean, I don't really give a shit about Netflix, to be honest with you. I think that streaming as a whole is always going to be there. And however you want to find it, that's going to be up to you. And now the nice thing is for the consumers, there's so many different things to choose from, right? So you don't have to just be beholden to the Netflix and how they're going to do things. But I definitely think this is just a strategic play on their part that they have found where they go ahead and pay more attention to bringing in the right director and the right cast and paying the right amount of money on studio and effects and things of that nature. It pays off more than just going ahead and throwing out the biggest net to catch the most amount of fish, casting that net over and over again.
2: Dave, what do you think? I think um, last week Aesop and I talked about the concept of streaming fatigue, and this seems to be somewhat of a a, a, at least an acknowledgement of that on Netflix's part, saying – there's so much of this stuff that's out there that we need to, you know, and, and yeah, we need to trim the fat a little bit. We've got some subscribers that we've lost. We've got some revenue that we've lost. Our stocks are down. Disney's catching up with us. Uh, you know, the great thing about Netflix for the last couple of years, it's been, you know, like a blank slate. This great, uh, this great utopia where content creators could go and they would kind of green light most things and say, yeah, let's put it out there and see what happens. And, and now they're kind of like saying, OK, look, we need to kind of. Scale back on that a little bit. People aren't, not everybody's interested in these little niche categories. And and they even acknowledge you're still going to do that. But that they're, they're going to look at, at doing, you know, bigger things, better things. It is a, a quantity over, or a quality over quantity sort of scenario that they are kind of talking about right now with uh, with the direction that they're going in. I mean, if you're going to put out more stuff like Adam Project and, and things like that, and, and, you know, you look at the approach that they've had with Stranger Things, and I'm three episodes into this season, and it's, it's fantastic. Arguably their best season yet. Um, you know, you got stuff like Witcher, Lock and Key, Umbrella Academy coming up. They're focusing on the heavy hitters. I, I, don't, I don't think, I think when you look at what's happened to their subscriber base and, and their numbers lately, um, you know, shifting philosophy a little bit, shifting their approach, probably not a bad thing right now. See if that rights the ship, so to speak.
1: Sure. Don't you you left off is it cake? Um apparently, you know, is it cake is really good and the floor is lava. Season two just dropped, so make sure you catch that as well. That's really important stuff. Hey I, Somebody feed Phil's four just dropped. That's excellent. There you go, there you go. Here's the other thing uh, that I will say, I'm glad you talked about um I think the vanity project thing was really fascinating. Like Netflix basically kind of throwing out money to directors, filmmakers, producers, or whatever to just make whatever the hell they wanted and not paying off. Like, and and I'll give a couple of examples. Um, I know it got nominated for an Oscar for because reasons, but Scorsese's like five hour, whatever that was that he made. um, Scorsese super fan what was the uh, what was the name of the movie, the passion project he got to make? I'm talking to Dave. He's a Scorsese superfan. Not you. It's not all about you, Tony. But it's the, the Irishman. That's okay. Right. and it was really know, fucking good. Really fucking boring and not interesting. And I don't know. It put me to sleep. I give it a star. Anyway,
3: maybe I should go see Top Gun Maverick.
1: You should go see Top Gun Maverick because it's a hell of a fine movie. You can give it one star if you want to, Tony. I'm all for it. Um, Adam Sandler's the other really good example where he's just been able to make shit, like literally just some really shitty movies because he, he had an eight film deal and he's, he's not even, he, he doesn't even pretend that he's made like trying to make highbrow stuff. Like, like uncut gems. Uncut Gems is like the exception to the role. I'm talking okay. about some of the Happy Madison flicks. That All right. But do you see the new movies coming out with? Which one? Hustle.
3: Produced it with the I, Ron James. It's based. You haven't seen it. You got to look that up. Hustle. It, it's going to look excellent. a grand movie.
1: He's also made about four horrible comedies through the Happy Madison brand. The last one I tried to watch uh, the last one he did, which star david spade and it was like david spade on a blind he he meets a woman at an airport and he thinks he's texting her three months later but it turns out to be this horrible blind date of, of this woman is like super obnoxious and i it's just it was really bad it was not quality stuff and it adam sandler has said that a lot of the happy madison production stuff he makes just to do something stupid with his friends and more power to them. But as a business model for, for Netflix, is it, is it really worth their time? Now, I don't know. Um, and it sounds like Netflix is trying to get away from throwing, you know, a bajillion dollars at various producers and directors for exclusivity deals to put this in. Dave, um, what do you think of The
2: Irishman? Sorry. I didn't watch it. That's That's See? what I thought of it. So
1: sorry. There you go. It's really good. Point yeah. point to Patrick. That's what I heard right there. Um all right, let's talk about people and how they suck. Because Obi-Wan Kenobi, which by the way, for the record, I enjoy the series. I've I've found myself liking it a lot. However, this week fans started review bombing Obi-Wan Kenobi and it coincided with news from one of the leads Moses uh, Moses Ingram sharing that they have been receiving some really nasty racist comments and remarks about their role in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that negative review bombing grew When Ewan McGregor himself posted a video, as well as many other cast members, Disney, Lucasfilm, in support of Moses Ingram and their role, showing love and support to their co-star. This is a much better step than the last time Disney was faced, but with something like this, where they just didn't say anything, didn't do anything, and just kind of let it ride uh, with Kelly Marie Tran and um, John Boyega. But why do Dave? Why why do why do Star Wars fans suck? Like why? Because like why why is this a thing? Like why why do we allow this as as a people? Like what's going on here?
2: There is a uh, segment of the Star Wars fandom that the best way you can describe them are entitled douchebags, and and I think that's really what it comes down to is 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 you know they think that it's some elite club that they it gives them the license to. Say whatever they want and do whatever they want. And, you know, when they get called out on it, then they respond negatively to it. And you and McGregor basically coming out saying, you know, if you're a racist, there's no place for you in the Star Wars fandom. And nothing wrong with him saying that at all. And for the fact that, and it, it, the bigger disturbing thing for me is that the review bombing that has gone on tells me that, you know, there's a lot more racists who are Star Wars fans than maybe any of us anticipated. And it doesn't and you know, Disney coming out saying there's twenty million sentient life forms in the Star Wars universe, which I understand isn't an exact science because let's be honest, it's a fictional place, but still you get the point. And it's it is disturbing to see when you compare like the first two episodes and the high reviews that they got. And then this episode, which probably, you know, had some really iconic stuff going on, you know, the first Obi Wan Darth Vader confrontation since Mustafar. And, you know, I mean, if you've got problems with the show and the episode for reasons other than racial stuff, like like the stuff that they're talking about, like with like Last Jedi, the issues that I had had nothing to do with anything racial. It's just okay, It's not my favorite one of the movies. But, you know, if you're just downgrading something because somebody called you out on being a piece of shit, then that's on you. That's your problem. Get over it.
3: I'm going to go a little pot as war here. Do you think, uh, do you, is, is Mustafa Ali, he's from Mustafar. Is that why the Mustafa, right? Mustafar. No, I don't. Cause there's a big deal about the name. Is that like a, uh, no. Okay. That was, that was just comedy tragedy. It was, it was a good, um, it was but a overall,
2: good attempt, but overall,
3: overall, yeah, I can't listen to pot is war anymore. So I just, you know, let that, let that out. But overall, I think the easy sentiments here and, I don't think there's a lot of time need to be wasted here is the streaming series is excellent. Racism is bad and it's not needed anywhere in any society at any time. So what is their problem here?
2: I mean, but like before I kick it back to Patrick, I mean, the thing is we know, we all know that there are these pockets of fans that have this entitlement sense of entitlement. We're elitists. Star Wars has that. Marvel's got that pro wrestling. Definitely has those kind of fans all over the place. Uh, it, it, but it doesn't give you license to say you're not in this bubble where you can just be and do whatever you want and say whatever the hell you want because you think, oh, I'm cool. I'm, I'm a fan of this segment. It, it doesn't change the fact that if you're a dick, you're a dick regardless of who you support or what you support.
1: Right. Uh, and so <laughs> gatekeeping that's that's kind of where i go where i go with this is when we and we've talked about this years ago when we talking about some other fandoms where does this this like sense of entitlement really get formed like where is where how does it how does it breed itself this way and then why and then should we if you're if you're a company like rotten tomatoes What do you what do you do about review bombing? Do you do you take people's like like do you take do you take that feature away? What do you do? Like I don't know.
2: Nothing you can do really. I mean, and that's the important part of Rotten Tomatoes is and Metacritic's the same way. Where you look at you've got the critical reception and then you've got the audience score. And and you know if there and and we all know that there's a lot of places where those numbers are not going to jive with one another, but like there's empirical data that shows certain aspects of this that are concerning where, you know, you've got the score before a certain event takes place and then the score afterwards. And you can see the big shift in that. And it's easy to point to that and say, okay, this is why that happened. But yeah. How do you police that? If you're a company like rotten tomatoes or your Metacritic, how do you, without saying, you know, give me more, give me more information as to the basis for your score. Um, you know, then you're forcing people to write reviews, which is why I don't do a lot of shit on Amazon. It's like, I don't want to write a review for this shit. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you my rating, that sort of thing. But I, I don't think there's an effective way to to police that. I, I sort of, yeah, I mean, sort of really delving into the reasons and, and why are you rating this a certain way? Um, yeah, you know, you want to rate it a certain way. That's your right. But when you see a tendency and, and you see a trend going on and you see things scaling downward, the circumstantial evidence to use lawyering sort of term, the circumstantial evidence is very strong in this, that the review bombing was directly related to what you and McGregor said. And I don't think that's disputable really.
1: Right. Interesting note. I will say rotten tomatoes at the very least has done something because the user review score is now back up to 60%. So they they've definitely gone in and, and done something about it, whether it's, filtering or cutting cutting reviews out. so they're they're trying they're trying to make this you know a sort of quote unquote fair view and look at the show. All right, last little news bit before we head into the commercial break. Uh, one, I didn't even realize we were this close, but Miss Marvel debuts this week uh, on Disney plus. so there's another series that Tony won't watch. He's already said he's not watching it. Uh, or at least he's not planning to. I, of course, will because I'm a completist. But we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about that a little bit in our in our last segment today. But Kevin Feige was doing an interview where there there were some reactions to the trailer, and that and uh, that Kamala Khan is at an Avenger Con, trying to be a part of the very first superhero convention, and in that. In that little bit, there was an interview that um, some folks asked Kevin Feige about, where he talked about um, a lot of crew kept sneaking over to see and attend Avengers Con. So I think that might be fun to do it sometime. And that quote led to what we love to do here in this in this arena: speculate an Avengers Con or a Marvel Con could be in the future here's the thing in a world where we have disney doing star wars celebration i don't even think this is speculative or is it feasible i think it's likely likely so here's my question because i believe it's going to happen one actually it's two parts do you think it's going to happen and when do we attend pc tunny
3: it's not just going to happen it's probably going to happen three times a year in different regions of the country. How's that sound?
1: Oh, so you think it'll travel. You think it'll be like a New York, Chicago, LA sort of scenario or, or the like? Why
3: would, why wouldn't it? I
1: don't know. I mean, star Wars celebration only happens in Orlando, for example. So it's not, who knows Dave, what about you?
2: Um, yeah, it's going to happen. I mean, you've got DC fandom two years in a row. Marvel's going to respond. Um, I, I don't think it'll be a standalone, though. I think it'll be integrated into D twenty three, and I would not be surprised to see next year uh, that you get it at D twenty three.
1: Why do you think it'll be a D twenty three?
2: Because I think I think Disney will want to integrate that into the overall corporate structure and present it in a way. Because it's 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 you know right there is one of their two biggest franchises that and Star Wars. Uh, and, and I just I feel like most of what I've read and in a couple places say that they might want to switch a more Marvel centric focus to D23. Uh, I, I think, you know, when if you're looking at if you're looking at trying to distinguish D23 from San Diego Comic-Con and, and there seems to be some support for the notion that San Diego Comic-Con, as we knew it and loved it, may not be making the comeback that we expect. Then, yeah, shifting it to a D23 environment Makes a lot of sense do this big... And you, I wouldn't be surprised to see Star Wars Celebration get kind of moved into and morphed into and and turn D23 into a big Disney-centric, hey, we're rolling out all the big stuff at this Disney-exclusive convention. Uh, That makes sense to me. I know it's not what a lot of people want to hear because there's a... I mean, for us, like people like us, yeah, Star Wars, Marvel, we're all big fans. There are pockets of Marvel fans who are not necessarily Star Wars fans and vice versa. So... You know, maybe they want to see something more exclusive. But I, I think if you're trying to make D23 into as big a Disney-centric event as you can, then yeah, adding a, a Avengers Con to that that helps.
1: Yeah, I I I kind of hope that they sort of bookend their year and have its own have its own Marvel sort of Avengers Con as its own thing to complement. What they're already doing with Star Wars with Star Wars Celebration, especially with the amount of content that that they've got lined up for Marvel and Pump Out, they're putting out enough content in the MCU and Marvel Entertainment to have its own convention, to have its own weekend. Like there's just without question. And it's funny, you look at it in a couple of years, they're not only going to be able to talk about new content, they're going to be able to start having some of those retrospectives on shit like Iron Man. Like twenty twenty eight's not that far away, isn't that crazy? Like it's to well, me, that's crazy. Like that you could be twenty years and you're looking back on Iron
2: Man. And it ties into I know what we're going to talk about pretty soon about you know uh, the MCU in p- particular is getting so big now that you almost you you could use something like that for like a roadmap. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about that, so I don't want to step on that. But yeah, I mean,
1: no, we won't we won't step on it too much, but. So, I guess the next question is, Dave. Tony, Tony said he thinks they should do it three times and do it in three different locations. Uh, I personally don't see it that way. I I think it would make a ton of sense to do it at Anaheim on the Avengers campus at, at the uh, at Disneyland. Yeah. Because because they can do like they can do anything and everything they want to with Marvel characters there, as opposed to Orlando where they're beholden to the universal studios agreement. Well, right. and, and so,
2: and here's the thing about that is that right across the street from California adventures, Anaheim convention center. So, Orlando. Oh. The, the problem with Orlando is that, and I know this, you know, well, in two weeks I'll be there. So I'll be able to speak from a higher position of knowledge. But uh, Orlando, as you know, Pat, you've been there. I was there nine years ago. It's very spaced out. There's not a convention center in remote, proximity to what you know i know they're going to put adventures campus probably at hollywood studios eventually where it is right now you've got california adventure and yeah the anaheim convention center is literally across the street and there's always you know kind of it tends to fuck up traffic patterns and stuff but if you wanted to do like a marvel con in conjunction with adventures campus it's right literally right there five minute walk and you're there uh so yeah i agree with you anaheim is the perfect location to do that right now
1: Cool. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I think as we talk about this as if this is a thing that is going to happen, that is because we think it is legit. We think it is going to happen. We definitely will. Of course, once they release that press release and tell everybody that it's officially going to happen, we will, of course, have you covered here on bandwagon nerds. What we're going to do now is we're going to take our second and final commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about continuity and just some, some things, some criticisms that have popped up in the last week or so in regards to both the Star Wars universe, according to Disney, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, before we head to all of that, and before we go into our recorded commercials, it is my duty to remind you that if you love the content that we put out on the Chairshot Radio Network, on the ChairShot.com every single day... And you want to support us. The best way to support us is to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and invest in a Chair Shot shirt. We have all kinds of designs to choose from. Everything from OG Chair Shot logos to the Bandwagon Nerds shirt to sayings from various podcasts. It's all there. Tons of great shirts to choose from. They're only $19.99. Or if you're feeling fancy want something that feels good on your giblets, spend a few dollars more and get that baby soft style. Your body will thank you. Again, we love putting out quality content for you every single day. We want your support. We need your support. And the best way that you can support us is to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and pick up a shirt. When we come back We are going to delve deeper into the Star Wars and Marvel universes and their continuity issues, or lack thereof. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following.
3: Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net.
1: Okay, welcome back. I want to share with everyone uh, on the bandwagon today. I was, you know, infrequent in the chat, to say the least, uh, this week. But a couple of really intriguing articles popped up, uh, one shared by Dave, one shared by Aesop, that led me to some questions that I wanted to talk about with this group. And, and the first, and, it, and both of them kind of centered around this concept and this idea of continuity, uh, though they look at it in a couple of different angles. Now, Dave shared what he described as the worst review ever written. Um, and it's about episode three of Obi Wan Kenobi. The article itself was titled Obi Wan Kenobi Episode Three Beats the Last Jedi as the worst piece of Star Wars ever created. Well, first of all, this person is an idiot because The Last Jedi is not the worst piece of Star Wars ever created. Everybody knows that's the Rise of Skywalker. But it did lead... If you read this article and you kind of go through it, the dogs are already angry about it too. But there's there's a lot of nitpicking that goes on in this article about Obi-Wan Kenobi as a character, who he is... There's, and there's been a lot of chatter around Star Wars about questions about timeline and continuity and if this all makes sense and whether or not Disney is doing Star Wars some sort of a disservice here. Like there's like, there's like this big massive phoning it in for reasons unknown. And I, and I don't know why and that, that people seem to see it as problematic. I have enjoyed the series thus far. I think my issues that I have with the series is that 10 year old Princess Leia looks like seven, six, seven year old Princess Leia, uh, which I just think is kind of weird. And maybe it's just my own ageism there and sort of judging the child. Uh, I do. I don't I I don't know. I I do think that there's been um, some level of questions of if you're like a real diehard original trilogy person. How and especially in new hope, how many people seem to have too much time on their hands and are really deep diving into the conversation between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader before they do their duel on the on the Death Star. Uh, but to me, it just seems to be like a whole lot of ado about nothing to quote PC Tony. I feel like this is one of those moments where it's Star Wars and people should enjoy it. Um, because to me it's been an enjoyable show. The other thing that I have that's been a problem and I and I mentioned this offhandly today is that they have taken some characters that were like beloved in like animated series and it seems like they've been done a little dirt- dirty. And the two examples that I specifically came up with were Cad Bane and the High Inquisitor. Though if you listen to the writers of Obi-Wan Kenobi, they claim that the High Inquisitor may not be as dead as we think he is. So with all of that said, Thoughts and comments about Star Wars and Disney's approach with this Star Wars universe. Are do they have problems? Is there continuity issues? What do you think,
2: Tony? You want Tony seated to the floor. Tony seated. To, I, I I I don't buy this conversation. I, I mean, fa- it's like fans of A New Hope who are literally, like you say, and Pat dissecting their dialogue on the Death Star, Death Star before they fight, and, and Darth Vader kills Obi Wan and saying. Well, this, what they've shown in episode three couldn't possibly happen. Why? Because Darth Vader says we meet again at last. Define at last. Because what happens on the Death Star is at least 10 to 12 years after this confrontation that they have on this far flung moon. Uh, I, I love the episode. I thought, you know, they did some stuff that was very clever. You know, I love the fact that nobody seems to, you know, people are like, I've seen some people say, well, you know, how would, uh, when, when when Darth Vader does that line I am what you made me and I know people some people had problems with that it's like is it so hard to believe that Darth Vader Sith Master evil bastard that he is can't pick up on obi-wan's feelings of failure and loss and guilt your thoughts betray you you've heard that before and 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 Darth Vader clearly can feel what obi-wan's feeling and he plays that up to maximum effectiveness so yeah I mean you can really dissect all this stuff into minutia and quibble and, and 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 you know nitpick the hell out of it but it, it does get to the point where it's like come on you just got to let some of this stuff go this is a they're clearly they're trying to fill in a gap in this timeline and like i said to you in in the chat like i said to you guys i'm more curious with what happens to get obi-wan back on track in this series because you know we know that later on in rebels he Fights and fit, you know, faces Darth Maul and kills him. Like I said to Pat, there's no way that this Obi Wan would stand a chance against Darth Maul in a fight right now because he's just so broken. So it's like I'm more interested with the story they're telling and not trying to say, okay, does point A line up with point B, and and what about this tangent over here? And yeah, you can really just get lost in the details of this thing. And just, just, I'm sure what Tony's gonna say is, it's Star Wars. Just enjoy it, and I wholeheartedly subscribe to that. So. Yeah, I mean it, it. does have to make sense. People like us who live for continuity and 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 cohesiveness and are big time nerds on this whole thing. I have yet to see anything that really strikes me as like, oh, that's a cannon breaker right there. I haven't seen it yet. Go ahead. So
3: first, I'm going to be a Star Wars apologist and not apologize for it. And then secondly, all you idiots, I'm going to remove your head from your anuses. Okay. So first, Star Wars apologist. Why can't Star Wars be much like actual history in which there are multiple conflicting accounts of what has actually happened? That's very much a Star Wars apologist way of looking at it. Now, to remove your rear ends from your buttholes, here's what I would like to tell you. If you don't like watching WWE anymore, change the channel. If the Marvel Cinematic Universe has gotten too complicated for you, then find a different fucking universe, okay? Because let me tell you something. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg aren't walking through that door with Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill, okay? It's not happening. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird aren't getting back on the motherfucking court in the NBA. And Stone Cold Steve... Well, all right, but you got to give me that one a little bit. The Attitude Era is not happening anymore, okay? So what I'm saying is, if you don't like it, watch something else. And... Yes, Patrick, it's all Star Wars, and I love it.
1: Except for The Mandalorian, that stuff is, uh, or not The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, that shit's trash. Um, I really like it. I know you do. Anyway, mute you now. So, Dave, I, I actually want to get back to something else you hit on here because I do think that this is the other thing I found really fascinating out of this review that you shared is how almost angry the reviewer was over the portrayal of Obi-Wan Kenobi because he wasn't just walking through and mopping the floor with every bad guy he ran into and and sort of tacitly ignores the story that's being told. It's And that's what I think is really, you know, like this is supposed to be a, a broken Jedi. This is supposed to be a dude who really... Like he knows what needs to happen because he's continuing his mission. But on some level, he's just, he's not there. And this is about the journey that gets him back there. And that's what I find interesting about this, this review. And uh, I actually, I I meant to re I'm going to re click on it because I really am interested in what this author, you know, JB Augustine, no, they wrote about Batman um, for some reason. I'd really like to know. Yeah, I know, I know. I see you making gestures at me. I sw- anyway, I guess I'm re- I really do just have questions as to what, what the author really was expecting out of this series and and what they wanted. They wanted Obi to be perfect and like destroy everyone because that, one, doesn't tell a very compelling story, and two, doesn't make sense for where the Jedi Order is supposed to be after Order 66. No, this still-
3: uh, if you want to come. Sorry, Dave, you can pick up. I just want to say one thing. If you want to complain about a series and tell us why you don't like it, fine. But don't let it be. I didn't get what I wanted because that's what the fuck it sounds like. Sorry.
2: No, really? What? Like, what do you want? I mean, what do you, do you really want to watch six episodes of Obi-Wan just beating the shit out of everything in sight? We've seen that this is this is a, an essential story to tell about the relationship uh, of Obi-Wan and Anakin. And, 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 you know, where you go in that whole thing and why this relationship is as complex as it is. And it's also like this episode was very important just to show, in case you forgot how evil Darth Vader really was, watch this episode. This tel- just randomly killing fools for no reason other than to trigger a reaction from Obi Wan to bring him out of hiding. And I thought, you know, that's brilliant storytelling. But yeah, I, I this this author just like, yeah, really, what were you expecting from this? It's 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 Obi One. It's ten years later. He hasn't used the Force in ten years. It takes him a long time to be able to actually like save Leia's ass with the you know making her float. Um, I, I I don't get it. Yeah, it, it, just watching Obi One beat the shit out of everybody in sight for six episodes. Who cares? I've seen that before. Is it safe to say
3: that? Vader is not at full Vader strength as he will be in the next trilogy of movies yet, because he's still going through the treatments, right? That doesn't happen in the next trilogy. Like, so maybe as I know it's 10 years, but it's nothing to write home about what, you know what I'm saying? I think they will be both be moving towards their powers again.
1: I think that's right. a good point. Well, Vader's always in the tank when he's not in his, when he's not in his like robotic gear. But I do think his like delving into the the dark side and the power and growth from there, that's a very real thing. I, uh, you know, you kept saying Davey's just choking. He chokes out a child at one point in in that walk through that uh, through that town street, and and really was was evil evil and that's and that's really what they're going through it reminded us the dark vader was supposed to be menacing again
2: no i mean with, All think this about is, it with the exception of what happens at the end of rogue one that's probably the most evil that we've seen him so far wouldn't you say well and that and that's the thing is
1: yeah i would i would agree with that and and you you have to look at what was relied upon and, you know the original the, the the original trilogy he's he's a presence He's an intimidating force. You're in, you're introduced to him holding somebody up by their throat and, and breaking their neck after he talks to them and, and choking people indiscriminately. And as the story moves on, he's more obsessed with Luke Skywalker and altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further and things like that. By the time we get to the prequel era, it's about how he, we got to where we are. The animated series, like you don't see a lot of Darth Vader, Darth Vader, into even in Star Wars Rebels uh, until late in the series, and you do get some great stuff out of that, but it's still like Darth Vader with a touch of heart, like the whole there's still good in him. This period is really supposed to be Anakin completely wrapped up in the darkness that is Darth Vader. So I I. I don't think it has a continuity problem, a serious continuity problem, no more than anything else that you would pick apart, um, that you, that you would call nitpicking. There's not been any sort of like, whoa, this makes no goddamn sense. Unlike, you know, I don't know the emperor surviving being tossed down the shaft of the, the then crumbling exploding death star and secretly building a fleet of star destroyers that has, Death Star laser capabilities, and nobody knows anything about it. And he was doing it forever because of reasons. That's a real continuity problem. Huh.
3: That Patrick, you that can't is, pass. he got fucked out of the butthole.
1: Very much, thank you, butthead. That's the sort of stuff that makes no goddamn sense. That Obi Wan Kenobi doesn't look old enough to look like Alan Guinness. Ten, you know, <laughs> like that's not a continuity problem. It's just, it's not. And, and the, the uh, you know, Ewan McGregor's in his 50s. That's okay. And by the time Luke Skywalker, who's 19, so we got another 10 years, people keep saying eight, he didn't graduate high school and like become like he hasn't gone to the academy for like two years. No one like knows. Older old, old, old 18, actually know how old Luke is. Nobody knows when he takes Luke in. Everybody just went high school. Because that's where you are in the United States. So you're like, oh, he must be 18. He's going to be a freshman in college. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. And he's had opportunities denied by his Uncle Owen. Okay, enough Star Wars. Let's shift over to the other article that was shared by Aesop, who even said when he shared the article, he did it to get a rise out of me. And this is an article that did work when I put the link in the rundown. It is from the website, mag- com. It is written by Jesse Lab and guys, Jesse thinks keeping up with the MCU is just too much, too much work. It's too hard. It's become homework. And their argument is, is that to watch anything now that the MCU releases, you have to watch all this stuff or you're going to be confused and lost. And they they lean into uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and all these things you have to know. I think this is bullshit. I I think it's bullshit for the entirety of the MCU with a nugget, a nugget of concession that I'm willing to make that you might need to watch a couple of other things to fully embrace what you're seeing on a current thing. But I do not believe by any stretch of the imagination that what the MCU puts out these days, you need to watch everything or you'll understand nothing. Tunny, looks like Dave wants to go first again.
2: I, I just yeah uh it's too it's too <laughs> much work and it's homework and, and it's it's just it's too much for me. I can't do it. Wah, wah 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 look yeah I don't think you have to watch, especially where we are right now with the beginning with phase four, do you have to watch everything that came before to know what's going on right now? No. Is it helpful? Absolutely. You know, if you're like us and you've watched everything from Iron Man to Now. Then does it does it create a a richer, more involved, greater depth of understanding as to what's going on? Yes. Does it add something to the story if you know all this other stuff that's going on? Sure, absolutely. Is it absolutely essential? I don't think so. uh Like you're saying, Pat, there are, sure. Are there certain things you should know? Okay, you should know about Infinity War and you should know about Endgame. I think those are important. And yeah, it, like I said, it's helpful to know everything that help, happened that led into that. Sure. But is it absolutely essential that you watch Thor: Dark World to know what's happening right now? Probably not. Uh, you know, is it? Did, did you have to watch WandaVision to know what was going on in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Probably. Hold that
1: thought. Hold that. Okay. Hold that thought. Okay. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna get into Doctor Strange specifically because of of, but, of okay. the, the on, going after. On it, the but other yes. hand,
2: did you have to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier to be able to enjoy that movie? No. Or Eternals? No. Or Black Widow? No, no. not really. No, not at all. Did you have to, you know, is Loki going to be important? Probably. Okay. Is Miss Marvel going to be important? Who knows? But I, I think, you know, there are, there are many resources out there that will provide you with a roadmap to guide you through the MCU if you really want to go down that path and immerse yourself well, completely.
1: So, so now you're reinforcing the article. You're not debunking it. So I just, I want you to know like, when you're, when you're describing it like that, like there's ways that you can learn. I, I mean, that's, that, that says, yes, you it need to do depends homework. On I still your,
2: disagree. It depends on your temperament. I mean, you can be as involved a fan as you want to be is what I'm saying. It is, it is your choice. Is it too okay. hard? I, I'm that's just, a little different. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, when they're saying it's too hard to, to circumnavigate this whole thing, I, I don't, I don't buy that. It, it depends on how much you want to immerse yourself in it. It's. All right, right, Tony,
1: I'm going to let Tony jump in now. Tony, jump in there.
3: Oh, I agree, Dave. I agree with you 100%. And I kind of let a little bit of my, what I wanted to comment on this article slip into our Star Wars conversation. But in the end, I'll say this. This is probably the same person who turns around and writes an article that says there's no continuity in the DC universe. Well,
1: Well, there there is no continuity in the DC universe. (laughs) No, 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 no. But
3: you (laughs) see what I'm saying? You can't bitch about things. You
1: can't. Right, you just can't. So, here's here's what I will here's here's where I got into this nugget of truth, because um, I do think that like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, if you haven't watched Wandavision, you have a lot of questions as to why the fuck Wanda is, is the way that she is, like because that like the whole concept of Wanda's children and how 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 she sort of got her hands on this dark hold, like that stuff. One division. still get the important. point,
3: though, of that she's but, there. She's struggling for her family. You just don't understand where it all came from. You can still enjoy right. the movie.
1: Okay, can I finish?
3: Yeah, now you can. Sorry,
1: you got, you got a little worked up there. It's all right.
3: Hold on, I was drink.
1: But the, the the some of the other points of this, like this author's, like you know, now I have to watch What If to understand this Illuminati business, and I had to watch one or uh, Loki. So that I could understand the multiverse. And I had to do this and this. And this. and that that is patently not true. You know, because for outside of WandaVision, I felt like there was nothing else that wasn't explained well enough in the movie for you e to even move forward. And even as Tony intimated, it doesn't take much to figure out that Wanda's struggling. You know, Marvel does take some assumptions now, 20 plus movies in, that its audience has seen a lot of the stuff they're putting out, but you don't need to know, like you don't need to watch what if, and you don't need to watch Loki to understand the concept of the multiverse. Cause we explained the multiverse early in the movie. We bring in these characters from other multiverses after they've explained the multiverse. So you can sit there and be like, even if you don't know who Monica Rambeau is, you can be like, Oh, in this universe, Miss Marvel is black and is a woman named Monica. In this universe, Captain America wasn't Captain America. It was Captain Britain. Now, if you've watched What If, you're like, oh, look at that Easter egg from the cartoon. How cool is that? And that's nice. But that isn't required. Like that, that You don't have to do that. And here's where this is going for me. Has a disproportionate portion of the fan base started to try and take over the narrative of... What it means to watch these shows, um, these movies, and thinks that they have like this is where this gatekeeping question comes back in for me. This feels like gatekeeping. This feels like we're backlashing on, on on fans who might be the in wrestling parlance. We use it all the time. The casual fan. Like it feels like there's a lot of this going on right now with Marvel and Star Wars in particular. Where we're now getting to the point where I, I think articles from websites that say, here's everything you need to watch in order to, to watch Doctor Strange. That's a bad article because that reinforces negative Nancy here who says this feels like homework. You're, if you're one of those people writing that article, you are not doing what you think you're doing because I think those articles are written in a way to be like, we love this. This is so great. Watch these things, too, so that you can really love this the way that I love this. People don't want to do that. My wife, for example, wants to watch Thor Love and Thunder. Kind of wanted to see Doctor Strange. No interest in Captain America and the Winter Soldier
2: or Falcon and the Winter
1: Soldier. It's just the way it is. And she doesn't need to watch that to be able to, to watch any of those other movies.
2: And that's okay. No, and, you're, and you think about the premise that this show was started on, and I know we morphed into a more deep diving nerd based, you know, more hardcore thing. But the show kind of, sure, yeah. yeah, the show started off on the premise that we we're going to try to educate some of these casual fans, these bandwagon nerds out there. And I think, you know, to a great extent, we try and do that by pointing people in, in the right direction. But, yeah, you're you're right. There's there's that that sense of elitism. Hey, you know, I know all this stuff and you should, too. And that may be fine for some people and other people may like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to invest that much of my time and my life into this. Just, I just want to get the crux. I mean, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I see, you see it all the time. What do I need to watch to understand this? It's a question that I still get asked by people. What do I need to watch in order to understand this? Like on the DC side, do I need to watch X, Y, and Z? No, not really. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, it just, it really depends on the individual and, how deep you want to delve into this thing if you want to go really deep diving into all this stuff it's there for you if you just want to skim the surface that's fine too it doesn't have to be this ultra involved homework assignment where i need to like fucking have a flow chart to tell me exactly how do i get from iron man to dr strange 2 and and not miss anything critical
3: no but here's a better article here's a better article here's the levels of D of Marvel fandom and what you need to watch to get out of this, right? Like, so you could say people who have just watched these major things, they get this out of this. And then people who have watched most of it get this, but people who watch everything. They get this much more out of it. Right? So it could have been positive. Like Patrick said, instead of negative and almost bashing the people that have enjoyed all of it. And the fact that it's so in depth,
1: I do think sometimes fans get in their own way. Um, I think that super fans get in their own way and the way that they, they do stuff. And and yeah, we've talked about, um, we've talked about fatigue. I think that's a very real thing. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, you don't need to watch everything Disney slash Marvel has put out to get full enjoyment out of a show and a series. I think I'm very much more a fan of, if you liked this, check out this, you might like it too. All right. Before we go, I do have a couple of little housekeeping things that I wanted to to share with everyone. I've missed a couple of shows. Uh, First, um, two shows ago, I shared my number one story arc in comic books with Dave. Dave, I know you put it out on the air, but I wanted to talk about it really quick because I I really was excited to to talk about Brian Michael Bendis, Avengers Avengers Disassembled, which started on uh, Avengers issue number 500 and literally is the launching point for modern Marvel comics in terms of everywhere the universe went from 2000, I think six or so forward. If I may have my dates a little off on that. I'm sorry if I do. If you like Marvel films and Marvel MCU stuff, most of what you are watching was launched from Brian Michael Vendis's. Avengers Disassembled, number 500 through 503. The aftermath of that, everything that goes forward, really stems from there. And I I was disappointed that I wasn't able to talk about that. It's a great story arc to check out. Tony, I know you said you were looking for stuff every once in a while on Comixology. Avengers Disassembled, I think, is one that's worth checking out and then sort of flashing forward to other landmark Marvel story points if you're ever inclined to check it out. The other thing I wanted to talk about uh, is just a little bit of a heads up. This is the first time that Dave and Tony are hearing this is I'm going to be gone again for a couple more weekends uh, in June. I'm going to be off the show next week and the week after as I have to manage some other familial commitments uh, and we won't won't be here. Good things this time. My uh, my brother and my father are coming to visit me. I haven't seen them uh, in over five years it's going to be great. I'm going to see my nephew. The last time I saw him, he was not a teenager and now he is. So good trip. Great to see them. Sorry, not going to do a podcast. And the weekend after that, I'm on vacation with my family. So I'm going to be on the beach and you can make fun of me of being on the beach while you talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi behind my back. Totally fine. All right. Last thing I wanted to talk about is I did want to talk about why I was absent the previous two weeks. And that was, um, i'm gonna pull the curtain all the way back while we were recording bandwagon nerds um my wife came down with the news that her brother-in-law had passed away and i had to leave the show abruptly dave and dave and Tunney kind of hit the high points of what was left on the agenda to to make sure that we got a podcast out and, and got it done it's it's been and then the following week was um my my wife was out of town attending to uh her, her mother, uh, in Illinois. And I talked a a little bit about it over on the Greg DeMarco show this past Wednesday. And I wanted to just talk very, very briefly now about, um, the importance of, of not only seeking help when you're, when you're not well, but also if you're an ally and a friend asking people if they need help and being, being a resource for folks, if you notice something off, uh, because you really don't know how that will impact or help others and 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 hopefully help yourself. And so that's my little PSA for that. And, and, and you know, just a little bit of uh, I'm sure people can draw their conclusions as to what that means to why I was gone. And that's fine. That's that's about all I'm going to say to that. The other thing that I wanted to do here on this recording before we let Dave go, because he's got 10 minutes before he's got to get out of here, is. I did want to just thank uh, Dave, PC Tunney, Asop, uh, and Ray Cash um, for outreach, for checking in, uh, for offering support, uh, and all of that. And, and you know, Dave, Asop, and uh, and PC for you know managing the ship for the last couple of weekends while I've. You know been away and been unable to do to do so you know for something that's that's different than just being on vacation and so i wanted to thank you guys publicly on the show and make sure that you guys know that that was definitely appreciated i really did appreciate it and that um it it meant a lot to us it meant a lot to my family for us to be able to to keep that going so thank you thank you very much and with that we are going to make our way out of here uh and before we do that, just ask everybody once around to tell our listeners where they can find you on the socials and the Shot Radio Network. And we'll start with the guy who's got to get out of here, David Ungar.
2: You can find me on Twitter at attitudeag and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. PC Tunny.
3: You can find me at PC Tony Twitter and Facebook. Make sure you're checking out everything Chair Shot Radio Network right there on all your favorite streaming platforms and at the chairshot.com where we encourage you to always use your head and listen to the brand new show, Chair Shot Bets every Thursday morning with myself and Christopher Platt. I bet you'll love it.
2: And kids, two, ah! two final messages for the kids out there. A, don't smoke crack. B, Don't get stung in the eyebrow by a wasp. Neither are a good experience.
1: Excellent. Excellent advice. And you can follow me on the Twitter at wrestling realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. You can catch me every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday on the chair shot radio network. Mondays talking nerd stuff with these guys. Tuesdays talking hockey slash music with David Ungar. Wednesdays with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Greg DeMarco show. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Now get yourself up out of the basement, get some sun, and don't sweat continuity details. Don't sweat all of these strange, out-of-sorts things. Just enjoy the ride. It's supposed to be fun. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com.
3: Got over
2: back and forth and up again. They're just a wrong number.